Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're bringing the best and the brightest in the world of business, recruitment, and marketing to help you harness your own inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today is Lacey Kalani, currently founder of Meta Intro and now a two-time startup founder in the HR tech space. Meta Intro is a professional resume wallet for Web3. It holds proof of employment, proof of skill, Proof of Education, replacing that old PDF resume that we all know and love. And Meta Intro also hosts and maintains the largest Discord community dedicated to Web3 jobs. Around 4,000 of them are posted in the community a month, which is more than Indeed and LinkedIn combined. That's a crazy stat, and we'll get to it. And prior to founding Meta Intro, Lacey co-founded Casting Depot, which is an exclusive community solely for talent and creators. And from her time working at places like Nickelodeon, Viacom, and A&E, she built Casting Depot, to serve as a marketplace for all facets of the on-camera talent booking process. And now Lacey is using Near Blockchain and a whole bunch of other fun technology to dig into this space. We're going to unpack her journey and get into it. So let's do it. Lacey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, awesome. And before we dig in, and thank you so much for joining us today from hopefully dry Los Angeles at this point. And uh, <laughs> again, uh, a little memoriam for your garden. Sorry to hear about the casualty uh, of losing some of your prized uh, produce. So sorry. Sorry about that one. It's very uh, sad. And, and everyone out there. <laughs> but before we jump in quick, um, I have a special, special co-host today. He is the co-founder of Probably Nothing Talent and the host of the upcoming show, The Immutable Mindset, Kevin Logan Jr. Welcome. Thank you for having me as well. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to be here with Lacey. I am so interested in and in, 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 uh, curious about uh, meta intro and digging in with you. Good stuff. The here. resident so, DJ. He is. He is our resident. He totally is our <laughs> resident DJ. So let, let's hit the rewind button here, Lacey. And before we get into uh, the origin story of meta intro and all this fun little Web3 stuff that we love to talk about. Um, from our research, I, I read that you do have uh, entrepreneurial parents and you're kind of this entrepreneurial back uh, upbringing. Let's talk about that a little bit. Where did, where did that bug come from? Yeah. Oh, God. Did you see that in the Untapped video? We, 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 I hope it wasn't. We, 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 we go deep. <laughs> yeah. For context, um, it was an investor summit and I had to give a presentation. And I hate, I hate public speaking. Um, to small audiences, like there's, there's stages, right? You have like, you know, an intimate public speaking event and then you have like a, a more massive, larger audience. And that, that's easier for me, but speaking to like 30 people in a room just gets me super nervous. And right before I went on stage, um, my investor was like, you need to have more context to what you're talking about. You need to fill five, you know, five, six minutes. And I was like, I thought I was just getting up here to say hi. Nope. We raised X amount. See you later. You know, I thought it was going to be short and simple. Instead, I had to like, uh, you know, give a whole presentation, I, and I was just like spitballing as I was going, which I'm also not very good at. I need to like think about what I'm going to say before I say it. Um, but yeah, so a little bit about my background. Uh, both of my parents are entrepreneurs. Um, actually, everybody in my family is an entrepreneur. Aunts, uncles, cousins. Uh, you name it's like it. a traveling circus. Everybody. It is. Um, everybody has their own niche. And uh, it, growing up, I never saw what it was like to work a nine to five. And, you know, it was, it was very natural in, I think, first grade when I started my first business, which was selling 
cool looking erasers to other first graders. I think I rem- I think I remember that that eraser business <laughs> a bit. I, I I had um in middle school I was on we called it the the pretzel squad where I sold pretzels <laughs> during lunch. Um and I would come up with deals like like uh, like buy buy two get the third one free and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of where I got nice. that. But going back to your parents, may, may we may I ask? You know, what did they do? What was it? What yeah, was their business? So, yeah. So my mom had her own mortgage uh, company, um, and she ran that. She still runs that today. And I think at the peak, she had about fifty people working for her. Um, my my dad owned a coffee shop growing up, um, which I worked at on the weekends for free. Um, and my grandparents had a slew of businesses from uh, bowling alleys to gas stations, wow. you name it. Um, so that's that was my example of what being in business for yourself looks like. Small, small businesses that still pay the rent, do really well um, in terms of revenue, um, and become staples of Small That's awesome. Do you remember one of those early lessons learned, you know, from watching them, from growing up around it? Mm. I think for my dad's side, um, you know, family works for free. <laughs> that was probably the first lesson. Um, it's okay to enlist your family members for free. Um, and then on my mom's side, I think the toughest lesson, which I saw... M- more so during the 08 crash. The downside of being an entrepreneur is you never know when your next paycheck is going to be, especially if you're not, let's say, like a venture back business. Right. More if so you have to, like if you a, have to eat what yeah. you kill, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was really tough during 08 um, because obviously, being in the mortgage business uh, is not a great business to be in when the real estate market is collapsing. So how did how did how did you see your mom pull through? I mean, what were some of those? I mean. You had to see her like in those in those tough spots in those rough times. I'm sure it was stressful, yeah. stressful not knowing you know where the next uh, you know payout was going to come from. Totally, my mom's an innovator. She's one of those people that you when whenever you sit down to have breakfast with her or to have drinks with her, she'll she'll lean over the table and she'll go, "So I have a business idea," <laughs> and so. And my mom's that person too. Today we were having drinks uh, two weeks ago, and you know, two cocktails, and she's like, "Lacey, I have such a great <laughs> idea for over. business." Yeah, yeah. So, but that's how my mom's always been. And during the 08, the same thing. You know, mortgage business is failing. What are five different businesses I could stand up tomorrow that will generate some revenue that will keep me afloat while you know my mortgage business uh, comes back to life? And and I th- and so. I was just going to say, I think that's kind of an attribute of, of all of all entrepreneurs and small business owners. I mean, I'm in the mindset where I don't have a backup plan for my core business and my core business strategy because I'm under the the school of thought, meaning if I give any energy to anything else, I'm taking it away from my core effort there. However, you do need to be mm-hmm. mindful of of resources. And I think there's there's that key difference um, from that standpoint. So we could we could kind of glaze over a little bit of the university days and, and get into inter- internships because I yeah. think that's something that's critically important, something that I lo- like to talk about um, on this show. I've spoken about my my internships and what they meant to me. And one of the biggest things that I always talk about for any young folks out there, it's almost more important that you learn what you don't like from an internship and apply that to your career versus what you do like. So I'd love if you could shed some light on on a couple of those internships and, yeah. and how they paved the way for where we are today. Yeah. Internships for any college student should be at the forefront of those formative years. Um, internships will allow you to look at what degree you're getting in a different way. It'll allow you, like you just said, to to some different avenues that you may or may not like. Um, and it'll help it'll set you up for what could be your career. And so I had a ton of different internships that are definitely not listed on my LinkedIn. Um, one, you know, uh, tell us a good one. Being, tell us the one that you're not, yeah. you're not proud to put on there. Um, for like the Colombian drug cartel. I mean, I interned for the, you know, like. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> um, I had good internships. Um, I did intern for a guy who was building a startup uh, that was redefining REITs. If anybody's in the real estate business and know how unsexy they are. Um, I was a marketing intern and 
got fired, actually. Um, I think got I fired as an intern, as an intern. What did you have to do to get fired? As you a, know you're doing like, bad. Like if, if, assuming it was unpaid. <laughs> how do you get fired as, a, as an intern? It was unpaid. Um, why did I get fired? I think because I stopped showing up. Well, that could do it. <laughs> That'll do yeah. it. That is kind of the thing. Yeah. You kind of just have to show up. Yeah, I think that's part of one of, one yeah. of the job requirements. But going back to the ones that you loved and kind of led your way into into casting. I mean, tell us a little bit where, yeah. where that started. Yeah, so I was doing my undergraduate at USF, and I was I knew at that point I was you know probably I think I was a sophomore. I was like I have to get some internships I really like, um, and I need to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Um, and mm. so I started applying to a bunch of uh, jobs that I was internships that I was curious about and fields that I was curious about. And I had um, two interview opportunities that popped up, one to work in the casting department at the local TV station in San Francisco, and then one at Nickelodeon Animation in LA. And if I took the LA one, that meant that I'd have to take a semester off um, from school. And when they called me, the recruiter called me to give me the internship opportunity. I like didn't even think twice. It was an opportunity to work on the shows and adjacent to the shows that I grew up loving, like SpongeBob, Fairly Odd Parents, Tough Puppy. Um, I mean, what eighteen-year-old doesn't want to work right. on on the set of SpongeBob? So, um, you know, two weeks later, I was down in Burbank and uh, started my first uh, real internship. Do you remember what it was like, you know, you're all excited to to roll in to this job that you were thrilled about. You remember like those first couple of days? Like what would it feel like? Yes. Were you scared? Were you excited? It was like magic. Magic. <laughs> it was magic. I mean, working, if anybody has an opportunity to work in animation, you should absolutely take it. Um, it was one of those career paths that if all else failed, I'll go back to animation. You are literally working at a studio with a bunch of adults that love to draw and create for them. Not a bad deal. Like, not a bad deal. And you get paid for it. And, and where, did the, where did the casting side come into? Was that like a natural progression? Was it something that came from the internship? It came from the internship. So it was the casting internship with the Nick Jr. department. And I had no idea at the time what casting was. No idea how I got the internship. I must have just proclaimed my love for SpongeBob so well. Yeah, <laughs> um, I must have sounded very passionate in my interview. And um, the internship ended up teaching me a lot. I mean, I, I mean, now knowing what I know about casting, casting is very much the fundamental pillar to any content that you consume that's mm -hmm. scripted or unscripted. Um, like, for instance, here, you cast me to be on the podcast, if you will. Um, I'll take it. I can, we can booking, work with that. We can work yeah. with that. Booking, yeah. casting. You can be a casting director. I've tried. Yeah. Well, recruiters, have you? I'm just saying. I mean, that's kind of, I was about oh. to say, like, you're, you're going down the path that we're talking about here. There's a logical correlation between casting and recruiting. You're looking for the best people mm -hmm. to fill X, Y, and, and, and Z role. So there's a lot of transferable skills from that standpoint. But what are some of those pillars of success in the world of casting? And we'll get to how those apply mm -hmm. uh, for recruitment. Yeah, uh, it depends on what kind of project you're working on. Um, talent that's... I ended up in unscripted. So, and that's... The reality? Reality More shows? similar. Yeah. Yeah. Reality shows. That's a nice way of saying reality. Uns TV. Unscripted. Yes. This <laughs> unscripted. podcast is unscripted. Yep. Yeah. Um, for unscripted talent, talent that's passionate, that, uh, and again, it's dependent, but passionate, articulate, um, and can present well on camera. So uh, similar to recruiting, you want a passionate candidate, you want an articulate candidate, and you want somebody that's going to represent your company in a good way. And so um, over the course of my internships, I realized there was a void in the market, and uh, that's eventually what led to my first startup. So when we talk about casting, because I think it's important for people to understand and pull back the curtain, and, and I really don't have the opportunity to talk much uh, with folks in, in this line of work, and it relates so, so closely to recruiting, but when you're evaluating talent, 
what what are some of those you know checkdowns as we like to call them in your in your head those those attributes that you're looking for those questions that mm-hmm. you're asking to really get to the heart of what somebody's about and ascertain both skill aptitude and attitude because that's what we do in recruiting Kevin and I mm-hmm. are recruiters by trade you're in the business we're looking to find the best available people in the shortest amount of time mm-hmm. also knowing that everyone's stepping up is giving their a game because that's what it's all about. And also the side note, which we talk about all the time, there's some people that absolutely crush interviews, that crush auditions. But when the rubber mm-hmm. hits the road, you're like, shit, mm, kind of faked it and I guess they made it. It's an art. It's an art to be able <laughs> to effectively hire. Um, I think with, with in casting, you know, depending on the show I was working on, and I, I've worked for every major network um, at this point. So... If I was working for Bravo, it would be like, well, this person throw a drink in that person's face. Do they have that inclination you know? that they might just flip <laughs> yes. a table? They might just go a little ape shit. Yeah. Um, I worked on a show called Comic Book Men for a few seasons, um, if you're familiar with that show. And that show was, can this person af- effectively and in a very uh, articulate way communicate that they are a super fan of Batman. Interesting. You know, um, and so it, it just depends. Um, but at the end of the day, the talent that you cast represents the network. All right. So let's pause here. Let's do a new segment on the spot here. I'm going to make this one up. We're going to call it the <laughs> podcast role play here. And Lacey is going to be the casting agent. Kevin is going to be auditioning for a role in a reality TV show. We'll call it almost like one of those like Love Island show where they put the singles on the island there. Nice. What's one of these? What's what, what's a couple of questions that we would favorite. ask Kevin? Here we go. Take yeah. one. Action. Um, action. Why are you single? I haven't met a woman great enough for me. <laughs> I, I haven't a met a woman as could, good as my wife. <laughs> a woman that could hold me down. My wife's not here. <laughs> wife's not there. Okay. Um, Okay. Why, if I were to ask your mom, why are you still single? What would she say? Um, first of all, if, if we could not talk to Cecilia, that would be great. Secondly, she would say I'm an amazing communicator. Yeah. And that's and why you're still boy. single? Because you over-communicate. That's right. Under, under promise, over-deliver. That's right. And our- are you willing to go to an island, a remote island with a bunch of hot singles and find true love? I mean, I'm watching enough Too Hot to Handle to know that I can do it. Thanks, wifey. Okay. Thanks, wifey. <laughs> and uh, are you willing to do it for free? <laughs> Last question. Okay, now that's the part there where things get a little yeah. antsy. Um, the thing about free is, are you going to pay for everything? <laughs> everything but the flight they don't pay for if flights if you have to take off work for three months it's Are the cost serious? of finding love yeah mm. oh. yeah well- well, that's why it gets into that's why he had to go into recruiting is to to pay for these flights here. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to I want to I want to thank everybody for 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 hanging out for that new segment over there. And as we get back into the core over here, and it's kind of a a, a pretty good transition here. Um, and and you said in a in a in an article about the Casting Depot quote: Imagine being an HR professional without recruiting tools like Indeed or LinkedIn to source talent. Um, that is the abbreviated frustration within the casting industry. Is this where the wheels started to to turn into? into where we are now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of meta intro or building that startup? Building building that startup. Yeah. Um, it was. I was at a point in my career where I was taking on a ton of uh, freelance projects and I couldn't scale my business because I didn't have access to tools that would allow me to do my job better and faster. And um, walking to work one day, thought about all of these problems about how am I going to scale? How am I going to scale? And thought, what if there was a platform like LinkedIn, where I can source all of my on-camera talent in one place and do my recruiting process beginning to end. Um, and that was the light bulb moment. And that was the birth of Casting Depot, right? That was the birth of Casting Depot. So talk us through those those early days. And I'd love to ask founders, what, what was one of those early mistakes um, that you made that, as I like to say, is a good thing you learned it the hard way 
that really set the tone yeah. for future growth. Yeah, I feel like with Casting Depot, I ran straight head on straight into the wall with every mistake that you can make in the first time founder uh, journey. First time founders, I like to say, are very dangerous in the sense where literally anything is achievable. You can do it if you put your mind to it. And um, you don't really listen to the market. Um, you do what you think is best. And first-time founders, a lot of the time, despite anybody telling you, hey, you should be doing it this way, or hey, you should be getting customer feedback this way, um, you don't want to listen. You just want to do it the way that you think you should be doing it. Um, and in startup world, like yes, there's not one right way of doing something, but there are playbooks on how to Best prove if something can work or not. Yeah. And so with Casting Depot, I ran into every single wall head on, despite what any advisor, any investor told me, just because I thought it was the best way to accomplish something. And so for me, with Casting Depot, fundraising was was a really big issue. Um, I think over the course of 18 months, I spoke to a few hundred investors and I couldn't raise capital. It was really tough to raise what capital. Was, what was one of those um, core objections? I mean, what was the issue there? Yeah, well, building marketplaces is is a tough uh, is a tough thing to do. As a startup founder, you have chicken and the egg issues. What side is more important? Um, and also with marketplaces, there are blueprints for success. Um, and if you're not hitting those KPIs that, that show indicators of success, it's going to be very tough to raise capital from traditional consumer investors because there's a blueprint. Um, and I fell into the hole of... I'm like, well, these 150 investors have no idea what they're talking about. I do. Mm. So I just need to keep talking to investors to find the right person that believes in me. And in hindsight, what I should have done is had conversations with 15, 20 investors, taken their feedback, and then iterated. Um, I wasn't listening to the market. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, you, that's you, all to say we did raise capital though. Right. And, so. and, 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 and we'll get to the acquisition and the, and the exit in a moment there, but you got to the point where you, you had the product, you were, I mean, you felt in your gut, in your heart that you were solving a need in the market. This had to be right. Right. Like that's the idea of a, yes. of a, of a, of a, of a founder, of an entrepreneur, of, of an innovator. It's like, I, we found a, a, a need, we found a gap and we're going to solve it. That's one thing. But to create a, a a viable product that the market wants to price it correctly, to find the right audience, that's a whole other ball game. Mm -hmm. That's the tough part. Hey, everybody. First, I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at thepausecourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster using it for B2B, a B2C, it's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at thepausecourse.com and learn all my secrets. Thanks. Talk to us a little bit about the mountain going, you know, up and then and then down towards the road of of acquisition and exit. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of founders don't talk about um, unsuccessful exit because it's very taboo in the startup space. It's like, it's, we were still acquired, which is success, but it wasn't a successful exit. In which terms? Um, like, how do you define so, success? Like, financially? Financially, mm -hmm. yeah. Success is not only did I return my investors' capital, but they, you know, they got a good chunk out of the acquisition. I ended up doing well financially and our customers are going to be better off with this acquisition. Um, and so what happened is we raised a little bit, we built, we went to market, we got customers, but it wasn't enough. Um, and it wasn't enough to trigger the next round of capital. And so 
We're building out new features, which is also another mistake startup founders make is the feature dilemma, which is, well, right. if I build this feature, these customers will come. They never come. <laughs> if they're not coming for your core product, they're never going to come. No, it's not. Um, if you think they build it and then yeah. they're going to come, that's a urban legend, right? It's a myth. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we went out to try to raise, um, had investors that were going to lead the next round of capital. And I said to these investors, because you have a fiduciary duty to your shareholders to obviously be honest. And I said, I'm having trouble with um, scaling the product. I actually have a different idea. Um, you know, what if we focus the marketplace on a different segment? And after, you know, $30,000 in legal fees and, you know, months, 90 days spent on closing this round, I was operating our company as if we were going to close the round in terms of our monthly burn. Right. And um, the investors said, either you're building the business that you pitched us or we're not investing. And I said, I'm, I, we, need to, we need to pivot. And uh, they ended up pulling, which was super devastating. And I looked at my co-founder that day and said, what are we going to do? We're going to sell. We have to sell. We can't raise enough capital to be able to get to that next point in our business. And so sale process. Also, no one teaches you how to sell a business. Especially first time. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Especially the first time, it's like, what do I, I say? And most get fleeced if they don't have the right <laughs> if they don't have the right advisors and people around them, they're gonna get fleeced. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's business. I yeah. mean, not to say everyone's looking to take advantage of you, but you're at a disadvantage for your lack of experience and knowledge. Mm -hmm. it's, yep. it's, 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 yeah. So, how, so, how, so how, how'd, how'd that feel? How'd that feel at the end? Did you, were you, did you feel like you um, were a disappointment? Did you feel like a, a, a quitter or were you like, you know what, this is going to be the fuel for the, for the next phase? Um, I, I wish I could lie and say this gave me all of the motivation to build my next startup, but it definitely did not. Um, there was like a solid month where I couldn't get out of bed. It was like, I've let, I've let down my customers, my team, my investors, myself. Um, like I set out to accomplish something really big and I couldn't achieve it. And that as an entrepreneur, that's like, that's super devastating. And so I had an advisor who met with me on Mondays who I love and he was a really big help in the sale process. And he, FaceTime me and he was like, Lacey, you have to get out of bed. You literally have to get out of bed. Nobody's going to sell the company. You have to finish the story. And so um got out of bed because he was really annoying about it. And we sat and built the roadmap to sell the business. And it took me a long time, but we found a buyer. So this was in the fall of 21. Um, and we found a buyer in February of 2020, 2022. And uh, the buyer um, was influencer marketplace uh, that thought our product would be like a nice complimentary uh, feature to their current database. And Great. So all was not lost. Yeah. And at least it lives on from a, a product. That's, that's and awesome. It lives on. And correct me if I'm wrong. The idea for Meta Intro came while you were in these in these final stages here. Let's uh, let's let's jump in. let's let's shut up, jump into Meta Intro and and you know from the last 25 minutes, understanding and, and digging into Lacey's story, we could see where that theme is: the connecting, the understanding yeah. of bringing people to an opportunity, connecting talent and opportunity, because that's really what recruiting is all about. But walk us through the origin story of Meta Intro. Yeah, so I I read uh, one of Matt Ball's first essays on the metaverse. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to read that series of articles, but absolutely incredible. Matt Ball is like in a different planet, on a different planet. Literally. <laughs> um, I love all of his podcasts, everything that he does. Um, I'm a really big fan. But I read his first essay and I was like, oh, that's super interesting. What is Web3? Um, I've been in crypto passively over uh, the past few years, but nothing serious. And at the time, after reading that article, buying my first NFT, you know, getting a little bit more serious Dipping your toes going to in the parties water. on Roblox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also had simultaneously been talking to a lot of my founder friends about what was going on and uh, with Casting Depot. And they were all talking about their businesses and how they're pivoting into Web3. And so I thought about the technology. I thought a lot about where, where my expertise was at the time. And I said, is there anything that I wish I could have solved for in Casting Depot? 
Is there anything that, you know, with this new technology, I can leverage to fix that problem? And with Meta Intro, it was the genesis was, you know, imagine looking at a candidate's resume and knowing for 100% fact that everything they say on that resume is true. Now, as a recruiter, your job isn't to vet that candidate. Your job is not to sit on a call with them for 30 minutes and get to know their past experience. Your job is to make sure there's a culture fit. You know, and having a culture fit within a company can make or break that team. It's it's important, especially even more so in Web3, you know. And so um, I said, well, could we use blockchain and NFT technology to reduce the time to hire? And the answer was yes. Just go and figure it out. Interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this part of the combo over to as I said, our resident DGen here, uh, Kevin, I know he has some questions around. Um, we're going we're gonna to lift up the hood. Let's do it. Let's dive right in. Waste no time. So interestingly, Lacey, within, you know, with even your description of, of kind of the start of Meta Intro, I heard words like crypto, Web3, NFTs, blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the word Web3 and, and you know, and what it, what it, what it, you know, its real definition is still really confusing to most people. So let's say you're at home with that very, with, with that mom that has a lot of ideas and, and she's leaned in and, and she's got an idea, but you lean back in with your own idea to explain what Web3 is. How do you explain what Web3 is to your mom? To my mom, which I had to, and to my grandma, um, and to my there dad, who's also foreign, and, and, and it, English is his third language. So I said, okay, how do I? How do I explain it? Um, so I said to them, Web3 is the next iteration of the internet. It's user owned. And that to them was enough to have a, a very basic understanding. Um, to them, I think in their heads, when I said that, they immediately saw Ready Player Me. They're like, oh, so I could like physically go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also the beauty of explaining what Web3 is. Everybody has a little bit of a different iteration, a different um, dream of what it could be, um, but they know it's interactive and they understand that it's user-owned. That's absolute, that we, we love Web3 for the same reason. That's absolutely ownership, right? And so, you know, mm-hmm. when, when, when I've heard Meta intro, uh, you know, the product described, it's a professional resume wallet for Web3. And then you think ownership and you think a wallet, right? And people may be misunderstanding what all that means. So can you also define for the people out there that may misunderstand what this all is, what a professional resume wallet is for Web3? Yeah. So in Web3, you, depending on where you are in your journey, you most likely have a ton of on-chain credentials that live everywhere, whether that's your co-ops, your kudos, your uh, layer three badges, your rabbit hole badges, they're all over the internet. You do not, as a user, have an efficient way of taking all of that data and then turning around and showing a hiring manager those on-chain credentials. Um, And that's the missing gap right now that I see um, in what MetaIntro is solving for. So the resume wallet looks exactly how you think it looks. It is a wallet, feels, looks like MetaMask. The only difference is the layout is resume style. So you can organize all of your on-chain credentials in a way that recruiters can easily understand and intake in their current ATS system. So wallet, um, or let's say you go to a lever or a workday greenhouse, you're filling out the job application. You get to the part where it says upload your PDF resume. Instead, because we're in Web3, you connect your resume wallet. Um, and then it pops up into that uh, recruiting manager's ATS system. They see all the on-chain credentials. Great. Let's move you on to the next stage of the interview process. So what, what about verification of employment? Because that's that's a piece I've been having yes. conversations with offline. And I think that's really the piece. And, and the way I kind of explain it is, where I, where I envision this is, it'll because it, you, you're not able to as a recruiter, you can't ask somebody why they left the job unless they want to volunteer that mm-hmm. information. You can't ask if if they mm-hmm. did get terminated why they got terminated. But what you can verify is actual time in a role, and in most cases, I know some mm-hmm. states are a little bit different. The actual title there. So 
where where are we at in this process of using Web3 technology? Because there, there's definitely a gap. I mean, we're not even at the first at bat of the first inning incorporating Web2 into saying, all right, Adam worked at American Express from 2011 to 2012. How the heck are we going to get there and where are we at now? Yeah, so we're building out two processes. First is the traditional authorizer would have to send the badge. So American Express would have to send that proof of in a badge. Uh, we have a badge minting process that will be live. So you'll be able to use, use that and to then send it into that individual's wallet. Um, examples mm. of companies, organizations that already do this, MIT, they issue all of their diplomas on chain. Oh, wow. And so, and they are sent to that individual's address. So this process like exists. It's just... Right. There's a use case already. We're slow moving turtles. Yeah. But what's Um, it? And then the second way... Sorry, sorry. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Um, Quick second way, uh, what we're building out, which we raised capital for, is uh, to KYC your resume. So exactly how you'd KYC your identity, uh, you'll go through a KYC process for your resume. And what's KYC for anyone out there who doesn't know that acronym? Know your customers, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said that so commonly. Pop quiz, like, hot shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Q, uh, so essentially, on it's an onboarding. Pro- yeah, it's an onboarding process um, to verify your identity. So, but my can question we just is, replicate like, the KYC process. Right. Like, so w- there has to be some, I mean, I envision it being almost an automated way in the, in the future where companies mm-hmm. are going to have, you know, on-chain databases of, of, of like Adam worked here at this stage. So it's all automated and they're not going to have to utilize internal yep. resources. Cause that's where I see it. I'm not getting too much into these where a stumbling block where it's almost like background checks or reference checks where I'm in HR and I'm getting a call from a future employer versus it being automated. Mm-hmm. And now I'm waiting for somebody to hit the verify. And it's a company that doesn't really, um, uh, understand it, but I want to. I want to get back into into the Web three roles. And and Kevin and I were talking about this offline. Like, listen, we're we're definitely in a in a, in a bear market. Um, but in our opinion, the bears are building. What, what are you seeing out there? What are the type of jobs? What are those type of skills that are really in demand uh, right now? What companies are hiring? Well, people can see yeah. what actual yes. names of the companies are hiring by going on Meta Intro. But the types of companies, you know, where where are you seeing the success mm-hmm. right now or the growth? Yeah. It's it's been a tough sixty days in the Web three market, as I'm sure you both have seen. A lot of companies, right. a ton of layoffs, a lot of slowed um, job postings. But that's also because we went into the holidays, and it's tough for me to um, give a sentiment of the market for this this year, given that we're only like two weeks in. But I still see a lot of companies that are hiring. A lot of them are infrastructure tools. Mm-hmm. I think if you had asked me last year, like what companies are hiring, I would have said like infrastructure companies, L1s, L2s, and NFT projects, DAO projects. Um, right now, if you were to go into the meta intro discord, it's like 3% NFT projects, DGEN projects, and the rest are like legitimate, uh, large companies. Um, so companies like finance are obviously hiring. I saw super rares hiring. Um, if you hop into the discord, there, there's a ton, but market isn't as great as it was a few months ago. Well, they do always say there, you know, whenever there's a bear market, there's, a, there's always a bull market somewhere. So it's definitely just finding those yes. places. And, you know, before, before, you know, deciding to, to, to have this, uh, this awesome chat with you, I, I've been, I've been a fan of Meta Intro and what you guys have been doing and been following along for a while. I've been in the discords. And you know, one of the oh, really? great things that you guys do. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, resident DJ, that's it's true. Uh, no lies there. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things that I think you guys do really well on your socials and your discord and and just helping the community along is, you know, if I'm a job seeker looking to crack into the web three space, where do I start? So I'm curious, mm-hmm. where do I start if I'm a web three job seeker? What kind of job seeker are you? Are you a technical or non-technical job seeker? Good question. Oh, good one. Let's let's go with mm-hmm. let's go with non. Let's give the non-technical people some right, love. Because I, I mean, I, I think to that point, yeah. I think technical is where the almost logical progression is, right? Because there's a lot more kind of, um, for lack of a yeah. better word, uh, nerd, nerdery or enthusiasm in this space. I'm a nerd. Yeah. Yeah, we were uh, yesterday with my head of growth. We were looking at uh, some of the developer reports that came out. Uh, in December, and something super interesting. I think it was CoinDesk that came out with the graph of 
developer uh, commits to yep. the price in the market. Developer commits like this, even through the bear. Um, yep. And then, you know, the price going like this. So that definitely has something to say about the builders in the market. In terms of non-technical opportunities, the first thing I would say is, what does your Web 2 resume look like? Because with Web 3, in my opinion, a majority of the jobs that are posted are the same. It's just the context of the company you're working for is different. Social media to social media, Web 2 to Web 3, it's the same. It's just the nuances are a little bit different. Um, the vocabulary is a little bit different and the company is different. The, the mission of the company is different. So first thing I would say to a newbie, non-technical, um, is what does your Web2 resume look like? And then help you figure out, you know, what your path is in Web3. You know, as, as I mentioned before, I mean, this is we, we, all, we both live in the same world. We're recruiting on different on, on in different kind of models here. I think so many companies are trying to put Web3 in their name, in their title, but they're really Web2.5, especially from a hiring mm-hmm. perspective. You just hit the nail on the head, Lacey. These are Web2 skills. Aside from those really, it's Web2 skills with Web3 knowledge, attitude, and aptitude, really understanding where, where it's going. But it's built on these foundations, and we haven't truly fully, you know, most places gone all full Web3 yet from a, from a, from a skills perspective. So, so we're, we're, we're getting there. Where, where, like when you talk to your clients, what, what are their big challenges with hiring folks in Web3? Are they, are they asking too much? Are they looking for somebody with seven years of Discord management experience? Like where's the disconnect? Yeah, um, I think there's two big disconnects. First, expectations. It is our duty as, as I get on my high horse to say this. This is the high <laughs> horse show. Duty. Get on it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm usually, I'm usually uh, riding it. So you can take the reins, Lacey. <laughs> I think it's our duty as foundational Web3 companies, you know, being in this first wave of the Web3 ecosystem, it is our job to, I don't want to say lower the barrier, but make the entry for individuals easier into the Web3 space. And when you're posting job descriptions that require five, seven, ten, you know, the crazy ones that say like 10 years of experience, someone needs to fire that recruiter. But when you're posting these jobs that have such a high barrier to entry to apply, you're limiting your pool of candidates. And I totally understand you need a a great rock star founding team. But the larger companies, what they should be focusing their efforts, the recruiting efforts or their onboarding process to is creating good onboarding, educational onboarding programs. So for like instance, unstoppable domains, they will take any type of candidate, web two, web three, doesn't matter. They pride themselves in their recruiting process uh, with education. So they have a whole onboarding process where they educate you on Web3 for like three weeks. And that allows them to source Mm -hmm. great candidates. Yeah. I think think it's great. And I think more companies should be doing that. Um, Because you can't be screaming at the market that there's not enough talent, but you're not giving the right opportunities. And you're not building the right infrastructure within your company um, to be able to support that. So... That's just my opinion. Um, and then second issue within the recruiting process is validation of the resume. How do you know this? Indiv- There's so much scam and FUD that happens in this oh, yeah. market, especially on the developer oh, yeah. side. The amount of horror... I'm sure you've heard the horror stories of like, I hired the Solidity developer. Turns out they, they like don't even know how to write a smart contract. They paid someone to do the code for them, right? Or they were just stealing it for someone's mm-hmm. GitHub. It's a problem. And no, it's, hopefully resume will solve that. And 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 talk to us about, about your model. How's your model um different and how is it, you know, unique to 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 Web3 as far as the, the way the job boards and the placements are handled? Yeah, so most people online know us for our Discord community. Um we have no intention to build out a job board. The Discord community was really created just for a place for individuals to live while we built um, on the side and built out our core product, which is the resume wallet. Um, we have no plans of building out a job board, no plans of building out an ETS system, a marketplace. I've done it before. I know how capital intensive it is. It's not really... A, it's, if I was to build a product in you know the Web3 space, it, it wouldn't be a job board. 
Um, I'll, you know, there's other people that can do that much better than me. Um, but our Discord has turned into a job board. So if you're in it, you can see that there's a ton of channels with, you know, dozens of jobs to apply. That's really what people get there for. But that's not our core product. And 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 how and how you monetizing that? We don't. Um, I don't believe in uh, the like traditional recruitment model where companies pay me to then you know get candidates or vice versa. I think that's a very web two way of thinking. Um, and yes, there's a ton of <laughs> love and time and attention that goes into the Discord, but I don't believe in gating the jobs with a paywall. So my investors smack me for that. I was I was about to say. So where does re- like where, you know where, where, what's what's the re- what's the revenue generating uh, portion of the business? How yeah, so we're still tossing around some ideas. Yeah, we're tossing around some ideas uh, with how we're going to monetize the wallet. First, being the minting process. So if you choose to use us to mint badges to then send like into that. wallets, there will be like a super nominal fee. Um, we're building on Polygon and Near, and you know the transaction is nothing. Um, and so we're thinking that the fees attached to minting those badges will just be like really, really small, but we want to make something off the top. And then second, what we're tossing around with um, customization of the wallets, similar to every single candidate's resume, you're going to want a way for your wallet to stand out. And especially when there's millions of people one day, hopefully using this wallet, you want your resume to stand or you want your wallet to stand out. So. Are there tools and features that you can unlock if you pay for to customize a wallet? Probably. Um, and then third way is on the recruiter side. So similar to HubSpot, there will probably be a usage model where you can get your first thousand applicants for free, two thousand applicants you have to pay a fee, etc. So top top of funnel, uh, Kevin. Before I bring it home here, um, any other questions? Websites yeah, specifically you know, want to get into? One one general curiosity in doing the research and everything, and it kind of ties into what we were just talking about, you utilizing Near and Polygon as your platform and, you know, and talking about the monetization and in terms of, you know, creating the best, I guess, kind of UI UX experience for the for the end user. Curious how you went about thinking about which blockchain actually utilize, thinking about interoperability and the ability for, you know, everything to function in a in a interactive and immersive way. Just curious, you yeah. know, if if it was the fees and that that kind of guided that, or what was That's it that question. guided that that thought process? Um, I'll give you my my uh, my. Uh, um, we don't want politically correct answer. Here. Yeah, <laughs> my fluff answer, and then the honest answer. Fluff answer, but honest. Uh, the fees, you know, that is a massive piece of the consideration. And then, secondly, when we went out to build, we said, well we should be building on a chain that has a grant foundation um you know that'll pay us to build because the idea is that we're one day bringing millions of people to this chain um onboard and that should come with with a fee so um we shopped around the uh the wallet the uh grant proposal to a few different chains and near like popped on it really quickly we closed that grant round in about three weeks i'd say um and they gave us a uh a really um, cons- a considerable amount um, to build. So, and then Polygon That's naturally good. came just because Polygon's a great chain to also be building on. Indeed, and one one last thread to pull on because it kind of ties into something you you brought up earlier in our conversation in terms of um, you know in, in terms of um, um, Lord I, I I've lost my words in terms of um, looking for to to uh, looking to get investors for your product. Um, you talked about going yes. through kind of the traditional route before. And then this time you guys went through Republic, you know, the, the platform where you kind of, you kind of crowdsource the, the, the investments. So curious how, you know, your, your past experience going through the traditional route informed you going this way. And then was there, yeah. you know, because Republic's kind of in the Web3 sphere, did that, did that make that an easier decision for you? Yeah, so... Um, misconception about the Republic round. There was uh, an investor. Um, what? How would I? What would I label them as? Uh, an investment recommendation publication, if you will, um, that makes investment recommendations to a group of high net worth individuals. And the round sizes that they do as um, a group 
is about 5 million. And so we found, or they found us through Republic, um, reached out to us. We went through the diligence process exactly how you would through an investment fund. Um, they said, yes, they wanted to invest, but because of the size of the checks that this group can invest in, you know, it could be as low as $100, as high as, you know, $500,000. And because of SEC regulations, they had to invest through a Reg CF, which is Republic. And so um, it technically wasn't open for the public to invest in. Um, it was un- like, I think it was considered unlisted, um, but they ended up putting in the whole 5 million, which was amazing. So um, I'll say we ended up raising three rounds of capital over the course of four in four months or so, which was nuts. We raised our grants round, which was a little over a hundred. We raised another 500 um, in June and then closed or July. Um, and then closed the, the seed round in September. So awesome. It was busy. Fantastic. Lacey, nice. this is, it's great to see. I mean, we're speaking the same language. We're all looking to move the chains forward to onboard, to make it more accessible, to break down the walls here. But obviously, if we know there's a lot of bad actors out there, a lot of bad press, a lot of bad PR. What, what do you think the biggest threat to the entire Web3 ecosystem is right now? Crazy people. <laughs> the SBFs of the world. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, crazy people. I think we're trying to excise out of this process. Yeah, yeah. We need more security. Keep those people out. Absolutely love it, Lisa. We we love what you're building there. We're big fans of it. So let's bring it home here. A couple of questions that I ask every guest because again, this is this is my masterclass. 250 plus episodes. I get to speak with incredible folks like yourself, Lacey, What's the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received? that you take action on every day? Mm. Um, Single piece of advice, um, everything's temporary. Mom taught me that. Um, You know, take that with a grain of salt and how you look at life, things that are, you know, your rub blockers, uh, reminding yourself that everything's temporary. Totally dig it. And last but not least, you look back on the on those tough times. You look back, you know, if at that moment when you're like, shit, this this failed. You know, Casting Depot is I let people down, I let myself down, I let investors down. But then you clawed your way back up from that hole. And you look back on that time when you had to dig down deep and harness that inner tenacity to pull you up. And now where you're sitting, fantastic product, raising funds, building the future of Web3. Lacey. What keeps you focused? What is your beacon? What is your North Star in life? Um, building cool shit. I think that's probably what keeps me going. Um, yeah. I love it. That's good I stuff. love that. <laughs> Kevin, thank you for being my co-host today. Lacey, I want to thank you so much for joining me. And I want everyone to check out more Meta Intro at metaintro.com. Lacey, where else could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more? Yeah, um, we're on Twitter, TikTok is popping, YouTube, Twitch, um, LinkedIn, all backslash meta intro. Um, you can find us on there and our Discord um, is like GG slash meta intro. Awesome. Hang with me one moment here as we wrap it up. Everyone listening at home, I hope you learned something. If you did, please share it because sharing means caring. It goes a long way. That's how we're going to move things forward here in Web3, the abundancy model, collab over compete. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another. You can find out more at thepodcast.com and catch us next week for another great episode. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.